Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio, Sal Capaccio on WGR. Sal Capaccio joining us on the Western Hotline. Good morning, Jeremy White, Jody Biasi. Happy Wednesday. Bills Media Day gearing up for Bills and Bengals. The Bills are going to wear their all blues for the game against Cincinnati mm-hmm. on Sunday, 3 o'clock. And joining us is Sal Capaccio, brought to you by New York's Outlet Liquor. When it's time to stock up, it's the best place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Good morning, Sal. Good morning, and the Bengals are going to wear all white, all white, Good. all blue. Great with, combo, but with tiger stripes, of course, right? They're so, not. They're not wearing their all correct. white like the white helmets, like the zebra looking things, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. No, that's right. It's okay. the, your white jerseys, white pants, and black socks, I believe. All okay. right, it'll be a good-looking game. That's nice. Um, so I want to start with the pass rush. We there there'd been some numbers I saw yesterday. Bills fans seeing this uh, via Twitter. If you're on Twitter, maybe you saw it. The pass rush before and after. Vaughn, right? Or with and without Vaughn is how I should say it. And the numbers are that the Bills were fourth in pressure rate with rushing four with Vaughn Miller. And since that, they are 27th in pressure rate when rushing four. And I wonder if you've noticed that in other ways other than just the pressure rate. Like, has it changed the way that the Bills have played defense? How often they blitz? Everything about it. Like, it seems like Something that Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott would, of course, identify and really have to change a lot of what they do because of that. Yes, absolutely. They've blitzed, I think, a lot more over the last half of the year, if you will, uh, really since Vaughn went out. Um, I, I, I don't have the exact numbers of how much the, the difference is, but I think that you know, that was the talk how Vaughn obviously was helping. They were getting pressure with the front four, and it's noticeable. They've been blitzing a lot more over the last month and a half for sure. Uh, really, since Bond went out, um, they still aren't getting a ton of sacks. There are games, I think, to me, it's been a bit feast and famine. There's been times where, like, okay, like you could tell they're disrupting, they're getting into the backfield a little bit. I think at times it was like that last game, actually, on a game to game basis. Like, there were, where went back and rewatched the game and said, man, there were a few times that, you know, um, Skylar Thompson just, he had to either get rid of the ball very quickly or he ate it. Um, there were times that you thought he could have, they could have got to him a little bit. I think that's been kind of the thing overall since Vaughn went out, which is they're either doing a really good job of getting there, it seems like at times, and you think everything's okay. And then the New England game, right? The New England game, I think a couple early plays. Remember they sacked Mac Jones? Then they couldn't get pressure all game. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, they definitely have 
blitzed more, and they've tried to manufacture that pass rush a little bit more. And you've seen guys do it from from all places. Taron Johnson, they've sent Tre'Davious White in a couple of blitz blitzes, and then even I think I think Milano and Edmonds are coming a lot more than we've ever seen before. Yeah, now. those are the two that that jump out at me that are coming an awful lot. Um, you know, w- with this cell, how much of it do you think is you know the the, the drop from fourth to twenty seventh is Vaughn's pressures are missing, and how much do you think is the gravity, like the attention he gets, makes oh, yeah. that big a difference. Because, you know, up until Vaughn's injury, people would have said Greg Rousseau was really blossoming. We're seeing everything out of Rousseau. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's like a number two receiver becoming a number one receiver, different assignments, and it gets a lot tougher. So, you know, when looking at Rousseau, Basham, Epinesa, these are first and second round picks behind Vaughn that the Bills have been counting on to do more. And they've got. It might come down to this game, next game. Might come down to how well those guys play. Yeah, I agree that that's actually that's definitely part of it. Um, I think the attention he draws allows other people to be able to be free. I think that's a big point of getting them right. You don't have for how many years they didn't have. That's not necessarily just the guy to get there, but a guy that everybody has to worry about and game plan against and think about, so that it opens up and frees up other people. That's certainly one of the things. But I think the other thing is, if you're a quarterback, you know he's there too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's not even even if it's not necessarily Vaughn's coming, you might think he's coming, and you know, hey, that guy's there, and if I hold on to this ball, you know, he might get to me. So I think that's part of it. You know, I just looked at the overall numbers. I don't have them since he went down, but according to Pro Football Reference, the Bills are still in the bottom third, I'd say, in overall percentage of blitzing. This goes back the whole year. And obviously, like I said, a lot of that is they didn't blitz as, as much before Thanksgiving. Um, they're less than 20% on the season blitzing. Um, and by the way, the team they're playing this week, Cincinnati Bengals, right there with them. These two teams blitz right around the almost the exact same amount and rate. Um, obviously, the Bengals, though, have Hendrickson and Hubbard. Um, they're, they don't get there a ton either, by the way. The Bengals don't have a really good sack rate mm-hmm. as far as uh, per dropbacks. Um, but these two teams, both of them, are teams that blitz right around the same amount. But the Bills, I think now probably more because they don't have Vaughn and like if you put those numbers together but overall for the year the Bills are still bottom third in the league overall it's not like they're it's not like they're coming every play it's just that they were so infrequent before Vaughn got hurt and now they're just much more frequent even though it's not all the time and they have two games this year where they didn't send a single blitz like the Rams game the Chiefs game maybe too right yeah there were like three the Bills had three of the four in the last three years where there were no blitzes so that's how comfortable they were not sending blitzes, and it really was obviously a strength of their defense. They felt they could do that. The the, the other and I, and I would say I I wonder if this week is a week where they don't blitz as much because of the banged up defense uh, offensive line that the Bengals have. Maybe they feel they can get home with with four, yeah. and you can then obviously you know use more people in coverage for these great weapons they have. Right? Maybe that's something this week. Um, or you could look at the other way and say, no, that, that, that offensive line is banged up. The communication isn't going to be there. If you throw, throw a couple of blitzes in there, they're probably going to get crossed up, and maybe you can get home to Burrow, who's been known at times to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. So I think this week is interesting because you could look at both sides of that and wonder you know, how the Bills are going to play it. Another big part of this whole conversation, right? I mean, the pass rush is tied to coverage. We know Dane Jackson has picked up an injury, and the back and forth between Dane Jackson and Kyer Elam so we've seen Elam go from healthy scratch to making big playoff play. So, <laughs> Mr. Elam, is is it your time to shine, right? I mean, basically, <laughs> like, this team needs him more than ever, probably. Kyer Elam, maybe the uh, the defensive version of Gabe Davis, right? All of a sudden, bam, <laughs> here he comes in the playoffs. Like, wow. 
Yeah, they, um, he did a really, really great job uh, last week. And I think there were some numbers where he, he didn't allow a catch, I think it was, and he was targeted a certain amount of times. You guys saw the interception, obviously, the pass breakup. I even think his tackling's been a little bit better. You know, Kair, after he went through being a healthy scratch <clears throat> and then being active but not really playing, he said that one of the things that he started doing more was not trying to be as perfect and just playing football. He said he was trying to be too perfect when he did things early in the season. And he went back to kind of trying to play a little looser and just going back to, hey, you know, he can do he can do this and he can play football and just allow himself to, to um, you know, play a little more free. And I think obviously it's showing up right there. So I, I, I'd like to see him on the field a little bit more. I think the Bills still really trust Dane Jackson. And J- I, I don't think Dane's really hurt them the last couple of weeks or anything like that. There's been times this year where you look back and say that. But I think there's a case right now, especially with Dane's injury, obviously, to see where he is. He's day-to-day. And, you know, Sean did say after the game he may have been able to come back in the game. So hopefully it's not that serious. And you do want to have as many options as you can because you never know. Kyrie is is a rookie, and he's going against a lot of weapons here. I would like to see Kyrie Elam on the field more because it seems like he is making plays. Yeah, And that's, that's... a big part of it. And let me tell you something that Leslie Frazier said that I thought was interesting, which is when we met with him Wednesday, uh, Monday when he did a Zoom call, we were talking about the DBs, and he was – and he, I just caught the fact that it stood out to me that he mentioned making plays on the ball itself, like making plays on the ball. He said that's been a big difference. That's what you need. You no, know, Tre'Davious White making a play on the ball. Um, you know, Kyrie Elam making a play on the ball. And and I think that's key, right? Getting your hands on footballs. It's not just coverage. And if that's the case, and they're looking for plays, I think you know Elam's obviously shown he can do that lately. I was going to ask you like about that Elam thing. It really comes down to making plays, right? When the when yeah. we talk about the, the Jackson Elam whatever rotation they've had in the secondary, it feels like they've just been, not that anybody's been really bad. I mean, I'm sure that some have had their mistakes, but it seems like they've just been waiting to find out which one, who's going to step up in that spot. And I, I agree with you. I think Elam has, has done that. Yeah, and I, I'm interested to see how it plays out this weekend because, remember, you still have Benford, and he mm-hmm. hasn't played, and he's been on, um, he's active, he's on the roster, but, you know, after he came off IR, but he's been a healthy scratch. So, you know, that's another guy. I, I wonder, we know Micah Hyde's not going to play in this game. Sean McDermott made that clear already. Um, so they do have they do have some options with their, their corner spot. And at least now you feel a little more comfortable with one of the options, like I said, with Elam, which he had a bit of a downturn. And, you know, now he's starting to play a lot better. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah. And Elam, by the way, I think I saw it. Second best PFF grade among all corners wildcard yeah. weekend. Asante Samuel Jr. did outrank him, but he had... Did he have three interceptions? <laughs> yeah, right. So tough, tough to top that. Yeah, I'll be, we were talking about the blitz a little bit ago, Sal, and we'll, we'll focus, I'm sure, more of our time this week on how the Bills do with that. But Cincinnati will be curious too because if they blitz a lot, you know, like they're willing to do different things. Think of how they've played the Chiefs each of the last two times, and like famously in the AFC Championship last year, where they went like a whole half and they were rushing three guys, not even just four. And just kind of baiting him into, yeah, take all the time you want, and then we're, we're going to bet on you forcing something that you shouldn't. So I, I'll be very curious to see how they want to defend Allen. How did you think Allen did against the Blitz last week against Miami? He had the great, the best uh, stats coming into the week against the Blitz, um, and maybe Miami would say that strategy worked, forcing him into turnovers, but I don't know. It's a dangerous game, I guess, when you Blitz Allen, because he is usually so lethal against it. Yeah, Joe, I think that when people <clears throat> sorry, when people watch the game and see the turnovers, you can say immediately, you know, he obviously made mistakes. 
um, and he turned the ball over. I think, you know, the, the one pass that went to Beasley, I don't know if you want to put that on Josh necessarily. I think, you know, that was a nice play by the DB. Maybe even argue Cole should have caught it. Uh, the pass to John Brown probably a little bit off. But the reason why the turnovers happened weren't necessarily because of the blitz, right? They were because Josh Allen made a bad decision or maybe the throw was a little bit off. When they blitzed, I thought that he the, the number one thing he did great was recognize it. I'm going to go right back to the second series of the game. It's second. It's I'm sorry. It's third and 13, third and 16. They go cover zero. I mean, what are you doing? If you're the Miami Dolphins, Eric Wood said, Eric Wood on the broadcast said that's a fireable offense <laughs> in the second quarter of a playoff game to go cover zero on a third and 13, and then Stephon Diggs goes over the top. Well, that starts with recognition. You see that. That's recognition. I also remember, if you remember, um, right before they had their game maybe tying touchdown or go-ahead touchdown in the third quarter, right before that, the one to, to Beasley, I think it was, a play before that, Josh, I'm standing there on the sidelines. You could see Josh turned to both receivers and put up zero. He saw zero, zero. He showed them, and then he did a quarterback draw. Like, that's recognition by Josh Allen. So I thought he did a good job. I thought he did a good job to recognize it. I thought he did a good job to get the ball out. I thought he did a good job to even, you know, go deep on those plays. Even though we could say maybe he went deep a little too often, he knew, hey, there's not going to be anybody home. I'm going to get a shot here. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job in that regard. And, um, you know, they made a couple plays. They got to him a couple times. They were able to obviously get him down seven times. But I don't think that's necessarily Josh Allen doing poorly against the Blitz. I think that's offensive line. Um, so if if the Bengals want to, and again, the Bengals aren't a very heavy blitzing team, but if the Bengals want to do that, uh, I think there will be plays there again uh, this week. I don't expect the Bengals to be blitzing a lot. I think the Bengals are going to uh, cover more than they blitz because that's what they normally do, and they have a good front four. So if there's anything that Bills fans are bickering with each other about after the game, it's about whether or not it is okay that Allen threw that deep that many times and situational football. What was the general tone from him from Ken Dorsey about that was there I mean from the team did the team have a general tone of hey it's all fine maybe this throw we wouldn't want to do that there or maybe we have an adjustment because you know sometimes they'll come out and say I think McDermott said the first interception Josh was a bad decision did without saying like they're mad at him did it seem like Ken Dorsey's general tone was maybe there were some better ideas in there um, sure, but I'll go back to the phrase he's used before and he used again Monday. Ken Dorsey said, play smart, not conservative. <laughs> However you want to, you know what I mean? It's yep. basically, we're going to let him throw deep. He just has to make the decision when it's a bad idea to do that, but we're okay with him doing it. <clears throat> if he feels it's uh, at the right spot, if he feels that it's there, then we're okay with him doing it. Play smart, not conservative. That's what he said. Um, but yeah, I mean, he also, you know, recognized that there's a couple times where you got to be a little bit. You, you got to you know, take the check down or know when to do that. But I don't think they were mad in any regard. I think they just felt, hey, this is Josh. He's, gonna, he's going to be aggressive, and we want him to be aggressive. But you know, obviously, he's got to make a couple of better decisions in there. And as I've always said, and I think you guys always agree, that, is, that look, if, if you're going to take all the great that goes with Josh Allen, you're going to have to accept that once in a while. That's just part of the deal. And if you take that away, you're going to take some of the great away. You don't want to do that either. Yeah, listen, like the formula works, right? Like since since Allen joined the team, I looked this up last night. Since Allen joined the team in 2018, the Bills have the fifth most turnovers in the National Football League, and they're also second in wins. Yeah. Like it works. Like it it might be frustrating at times and there might be games that get lost because of it, but I just feel like the formula works and that 
even though there are bad plays, the good plays outweigh the bad plays. So I think it just comes with an acceptance of this is Josh Allen. And I don't know. Like, I don't want to go all in on that because there are situations where you'd like him to take, okay, this is open 10 yards down the field uh, in, a, in a late situation. Um, maybe this could have been one of the Gabe Davis throws late in the game. I, it's tough for me to want him to do that, though, because I love having a quarterback. I love my team having a quarterback that is always willing to throw the ball down the field. Meanwhile, I got another guy playing wild card weekend that's dumping it off on fourth and eight. Yeah, well, and then, look, you have Patrick Mahomes, who a lot of ways is similar to Josh, but he, it's, not, it's not the throwing the deep part. Right. It's he does all these crazy things and throws some different angles and shovel passes, and he's out in space, and all of a sudden – and that has gotten him in trouble here or there. But generally, it works out great, and they make big plays. Everybody talks about mm-hmm. how smart he is and how uh, improvising he is. But that also has gotten him in a little trouble sometimes, including against the Bills down there when they played. He had, they had a goal-to-go situation, or at least red zone. And if you remember, Kyrie Elam's first interception was one of those plays. He kind of just like threw it up for grabs, and Elam took it away in the end zone. Like you, But that nobody tells – I don't – really hear anybody talking about Patrick Mahomes well you know he really shouldn't do that that much it's that's what he does that's what makes him great it's gonna hurt them sometimes you know obviously if you're a Bills fan you probably hope it hurts them this weekend to do something <laughs> like that against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, so yeah I'm okay with it um, but no doubt Josh has to make a couple better decisions I think I was on a Cincy radio station yesterday and they've asked me they, their question was you know what um, what what why does why does Josh have the turnovers this year? Why does he have the interceptions? And I said they generally come from him just pressing, him trying to make a play when it's not there. That's who he is. And their first response was, yeah, you know what? It reminds me of Brett Favre. I'm like, guys, that's the comp we always have. It's yeah. always Favre. Too, when we talk about yeah. that. That's exactly what they said. Yeah, Sal, so if there's anything, I mean, turnovers are turnovers. I get that. And, you know, I've, I've long believed that we should count punts as turnovers because that tells about failed drives. If there's one thing I, I think it's, it's fair to ask Allen to clean up that doesn't ask him to be much different, can he do anything about the fumbles? It's been a lot, right? 13 and 11 games. He could preach ball security. Yeah. Is it, you know, I, I don't know what – if you're the coaches and you're talking to him about the ball security in that respect, are you really taking that much away from him? Um. The fumbles, he has to be able to hold on to the ball, but he's got to tuck it. He's got to see it better. Can't let it loose a little bit. Keep it down. You know, he's got it in one hand. He's got big hands, obviously. He can hold on to the ball. But look, defenders are trained to slap at that thing. They're trained to punch it out. They're trained to grab at it when they go. And as soon as he feels pressure, he's got to do a little better job. There's sometimes he runs where I'm thinking, put that ball away. Like he doesn't. Everybody, everybody else yelling, get down. I'm going to put the ball away. <laughs> you know, like he's got the ball out front and all that, the way he carries it. Sometimes I think that as well. So, you know, those are just things you rep. Those are just things you talk about. Let's remember, um, if you go back, and just so everybody knows, this goes for every quarterback. Any fumbled snap is basically always charged to the quarterback, even if it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. So throughout history, quarterbacks are always going to have a little bit more of a fumble, um, more fumbles. And I'm not saying that Josh, you know, it's all on that for sure. But some of those numbers are that. But certainly some of the numbers are him not taking care of the ball when he feels that pressure. He's got to be able to you know, put it away, tuck it away, and do whatever he can there. So those are things that he has to clean up. And obviously it cost him a touchdown in the last game. You let the Cincinnati Bengals do that and get a touchdown, you know, we're talking about probably a different story in this one. That can't happen. So, so as we enter the practice week and injury reports, thinking about McKenzie maybe coming back, Crowder maybe coming back, Beasley and Shakir, it, is, is slot receiver the position – 
that we're thinking about for the weekend where we just have no idea what it's going to look like? Probably, but I think Cole Beasley's getting pretty entrenched there now. He's on the active roster again, uh, so we can count him in, in that slot. And made plays. On, made two big plays in the game. Yep. I, I think it depends on if McKenzie's available, You know what they want to do there, if Crowder is if they supplement. But I think Beasley's a guy you can probably count on being um, in the in the lineup, I think. You know, who knows? Um, yeah, those are the ones we're watching. Dane Jackson is the one we're watching. And then um, for them, obviously, the offensive line. Those are the big ones. So Sean McDermott speaks at 11 today. They change it up a little bit. I don't know if it has to do with the 3 o'clock game on Sunday, but they change it up a little bit today, normally 12, but 11 o'clock today. We're going to carry that live. I'll be down there uh, with Joe. We'll have our show 10 to 11. We'll carry McDermott at 11 o'clock and then continue on. Uh, they will held a walkthrough practice today, so there's no media access, but we'll still hear from players and coaches afterward, including uh, and players afterward, I should say, including Josh Allen. Um, but we'll find out more about the um, injury update. There's always a guy or two you who might be you know limited today or not doing something today that you know we keep an eye on as well. All right, and tomorrow we can maybe talk about what they all say about playing Cincinnati, which you know there's the game itself, and then there's the game that was, and that team coming back for you know, a, a reunification of sorts. So uh, be interesting to hear what everybody says today. Thank you, Sal. Okay, guys. Sal Capaccio on the West, her hotline. We'll get a break in. I want to follow up on this conversation about, you know, what you can, how you can harness Alan. Take, what, don't take this away. Let him do this. Let him do that. I thought you had a good, uh, a good segment on that yesterday in the Action Point show. So I want to follow up here on WGR. So we'll get to that next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Taves for Kane below the goal line. Now they pump it up top. And there's a turnover to break away. It's Peyton Krebs shorthanded on his own to the net. Down the middle. Deke scores! Short-handed goal for Peyton Krebs. 3-1 Buffalo here in the second period. Thought they were going to close it out, get it to the garage, as uh, Bulldog says. Lost the game, though, unfortunately. Quick correction. Malik Boyd, not director of player personnel. Bill's senior director of pro scouting, Malik Boyd. Okay, yeah. Interviewed for the GM position with the Titans. So, different title with the Bills, interviewing for the GM spot. That highlight, by the way, from Dan Dunleavy, part of your first moments of the game for the moments in life, go forth to Firth. And, uh, again, the Sabres ultimately lose. Okay, I, can I, I want to get in on this Allen conversation. You tweeted it out, and mm-hmm. it, it's um, – I'm not exactly torn on it because I've been trying to preach since the Tyrod Taylor years. Yeah. I don't care about interceptions. I don't. The best quarterbacks throw them because they throw a lot. They throw them because – 
They're thrown into coverage. They're making plays. And I'm serious when I say I am more concerned from the Miami game about all the punts than I am about two picks. Because there's only one thing about those two picks, though, that that is tough to take. And it's a little bit, it makes them look worse than they are, Joe. Number one, the first pick to John Brown. Yep. The throw to John Brown. I'm that mad about the throw or the decision or anything. It got returned like 60 yards. Yeah. That's tough to take. It was like a punt, but the punt return was, exactly. was huge. Yeah. And then the interception to Beasley. Same thing. It bounces into a guy's arms, and he's, what, down at like the 20-yard line? Mm-hmm. So those interceptions end up looking a little worse than some interceptions do. Go back to the Minnesota game. He gets intercepted in the end zone on a fourth down play. I'm not mad about that. Should be a touchback. It got returned to about midfield. So sometimes an interception is made worse by, of course, the return. But I am much more worried about five punts than I am about two interceptions. And that's the case against Cincinnati, too. What's worse, two interceptions or five punts? Five punts is worse. Mm -hmm. That is five failed drives. Mm -hmm. Two interceptions is two failed drives. So I'm with you on... I'm not going to worry that much about interceptions. Yeah, no. Fum- fumbles. Different. That fumble is different. Is, fu- it, is it because you just have no, like, anything could happen once the ball's on the ground? It just I mean, Cincinnati against Baltimore. Like, that's 98 yards for a yeah. touchdown. Where if it's a pick, he's throwing it. He's a little further back. I mean, it's a lot of that's the way Baltimore lined up on that play, that there was no one back there to make a tackle. But Yeah. I, what's the major difference? I don't know. I'm not prepared to defend this well, too like, strongly. I want to say a fumble doesn't have to happen. Interceptions are a, are an accepted reality in a passing game. You you can't have a passing sure. game without interceptions. A, the ball that bounces off of Beasley, okay, it's gonna happen sometimes. Yeah, your quarterback fumbling it just doesn't have to happen. Some of that is the return though, right? Like the pick to John Brown. That pick gets made by the corner. There are ten bills between him and the end zone. Allen fumbles the ball in his own backfield. There are none. It's a defensive tackle walking into the end zone. Mm-hmm. That's, so that's, part, part of it is the return, I think. That, that's part of it. But what I want to get to is, you know, we brought up the comparison yesterday about Steph Curry. Steph Curry yeah. is the all-time best shooter in the, in the NBA. Yep. And when Steve Kerr gets that job, he gives him a lot of freedom. Of course, there are very famous highlights of Steve Kerr raising his arms, screaming, "What are you doing?" When he shoots from the logo. Mm-hmm. And but he but he did when he showed up there. Like he's made comments about this. Like that he he has kind of approached Steph as there is no bad shot for you. Like yeah, like sometimes he will react that way just on instinct. Mm-hmm. But he has treated Steph Curry with the mindset of. You're Steph Curry, and a bad shot for 99.9% of NBA players is not a bad shot for you. And if you want to pull up from half court, pull up from half court. Right. If I'm to look at one major difference between Steph Curry and Josh Allen, it's that haven't they taken somewhat of the opposite career arcs? Curry was a polished shooter. He yeah. was awesome in college. The question was, I don't know if he has the size. I don't know if he can be durable. Yeah. I don't know if he can get the sh- But he was a polished shooter. Right. Allen, on the flip side, was, physically, I don't have any doubts about his ability to play in this league. He's huge. He's fast. He's got a rocket arm. Yeah. He's not polished. Fair? Mike? Fair. So, with Allen, I want to be careful about just letting him do anything he wants all to- all the times. Like I'm not t- trying to 
be conservative. Like Dorsey said, smart, not conservative. Josh Allen arrived with the Bills, a raw, moldable piece of stud characteristics. And then Allen with Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey and uh, Jordan Palmer and all the people he's worked with and his, his backup quarterbacks, the quarterback room, they all molded that into a complete elite quarterback that does everything and even does things that the other elite quarterbacks do, like run and jump over linebackers, right? So right. He, he turned into this unicorn. And that happened with the help of the polishing. They polished him up. I don't want him to just lose that shine. Right. Because we know, we know, well, look at him. He can do everything. This is, if there's a play to be made, should he run for seven yards and jump over a linebacker because he can? Or should he take the pass that's the same distance because it's easier? And it, You know what I mean? It's like the, the coaching is a part of what got him to this polish and – I think Ken Dorsey's job is to continue to accentuate his his mm-hmm. positives and eliminate his negatives. And the last thing I'll say on this is like Tiger Woods had a swing coach. Yeah. The greatest golfer of all time. He changed his swing. He did right. Yeah. He was the best ever. And he had coaches to find his flaws and make sure do this, not this, think this, not that. So I don't th- I don't want the conversation to turn into Mm. take away what Josh does. I don't ever want to have that conversation, but I do want to be open to and defend the position that, yes, even he should be steered in directions. Even he should be worked with. Because, I mean, he's he's very coachable. It's one of the things we've heard about him forever. Yep. He's very coachable, and I feel like the coaching for him has worked tremendously. How far do you want to go, though, with steering him? Like, And are we thinking about like in places where... Like, what, what's the line? What's the line in which, okay, you can't be doing that, right? Like, the Houston game will always come to <laughs> mind for this because what, when certainly over that line is throwing the ball backwards over your head to Dawson Knox. <laughs> right. Like, that's over the line. But should should running the clock down to zero at the end of the half and throwing it back to James Cook as for a touchdown? Like, is that decision to throw that football and run the clock down, is that over the line? Here's one. Here's one that's over the line. Kansas City. Opening drive. He fumbles, attempting to get the ball to McKenzie yeah. on a play where McKenzie's not... that None of that play was designed for McKenzie. Right. And he just looks at him and pitches it to him. And that's a fumble. And yeah. that's that maybe works out to be genius if McKenzie catches it and goes in. So, of course, like results are always going to be there. But that's ex- that's against your be- your biggest challenge on the road, opening drive. In that moment, he decides, I got an idea. Yeah, don't write. Have it be at least somewhat within structure, right? Like, the Gabe Davis plays are very different for that. The Gabe Davis deep shots last uh, on Sunday in the fourth quarter, those are... That, that's a look he's seeing, right? Yeah, those, that are, is, those are within structure, it's sure. It's blitz, and it's one-on-one to the outside, and despite the fact that that's a clear-out route that Gabe Davis is running, he's not even... There's no design for him to get the football on that play. He sees one-on-one and thinks... All right, I'm going there. Mm-hmm. That is very different than I'm just going to throw the ball backwards and play backyard football. Right. And and again, like a lot of the, the off-schedule stuff happens after on-schedule breaks down. And he's, some, yes. he's sometimes at his best when off-schedule and he's running and rolling, right, making these sick throws. Yeah. But I don't want it to be so much where you can't even suggest that an offensive coordinator, you know, 
No, ha- right, right. Harness him a little bit. Harness the the power of the wind here, Joe. Yeah, that's why. Like the line for me is is it 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 stops. It's past like letting him do deep shots. Like if if there's a guy open 15 yards down the field, but he's got one on one 50 yards down the field. I'm okay with him throwing it 50 yards down the field. And by the way, he's done that a couple times. He threw a couple of jump balls to Diggs, which I'm happy about because yeah. you know Diggs has been good at those. He hasn't had too many of those lately. He did one again in the New England game, yep. and then he did one this last week where he just turns back and heaves it 60 yards and Diggs doesn't come down with it. So, you know, taking those shots, I'm not against that. I if, like- if, if on film there's a first down that's available and he turns that down as the coordinator – don't we want the coordinator to steer him towards the first down? I ooh, see. I'm I'm on the fence there because h- how unlikely is the big play that that he's he's staring at? You know what I mean? Like, well, if he if he's if a guy is double covered down the field, yes, I want him taking the first down. But if it's within reason that this guy could catch this football, I think I want him throwing that that deep pass. Well, I've got Gabe Davis on two of them, and it went over two, and. Part of the reason, yeah, right. That's right, right. Like it doesn't. But digs on another play earlier, and maybe there was a guy open down the field, uh, or a little bit shorter, intermediate, when he threw that ball deep to Diggs down to the four yard line or whatever it was. So yeah, nobody's mad about the Shakir one because Shakir was open and then had space, and Allen put it on him and he just dropped it. Yeah, like no one's mad about that one. Let's get some calls on this because I do think it's. I just want to like leave room for if you think that the coordinator should coach the quarterback. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, like, and it doesn't mean you want all of the breaks applied. John in Buffalo. John, good morning. What's going on, fellas? John from Put Two on Me. Listen, fellas, you're covering a good topic. All right? Very good topic. I like it. Um, but what, what, what you got to do is you got to think back. If you know high school sports, you know, the number one thing in high school sports is this. A coach can ruin a player. There's been multiple accounts where players have been ruined from high school coaches. So let's transition now into the professionals, NFL, Josh Allen. Okay, you have to let Josh Allen go out there and do what he does. At the same time, you, your job as a coach, it's not even so much the offensive coordinator. It's the, I mean, yes, it is offensive coordinator, but it's not. It's the, the coach. Everything's going to come from the coach. We can't make Josh Allen feel like he can't do something out there when he thinks it's, there you know what i'm saying because what can happen is if you put the strain on him too much you ruin the player yeah you know you know like you said steph curry you know he came into the league polished he was at davidson he was looking great already as a shooter curry was his you know there was his you know uh curry his father was also a great shooter so he comes from a great shooting i don't really know and i apologize but i don't really know the family history of josh allen and his work ethic etc but what I do know is you were right. He didn't come into the league polished. Josh Allen had some very good things to him, very good things. But he still, believe it or not, as good as he is right now, he's still young. He's 26. He's still, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, yeah, he's still he's 26 years old. And similar, and, and I won't be long-winded, but similar to a child, when you're raising an adult, after a while you have to know how to balance it. A 19-year-old, 20-year-old living in your home, you have to know how to balance it as a parent, yep. and that's what has to happen with the Bills. They have to balance it. Josh Allen has to be able to make decisions. As he's in the helm, he's back there, he's seeing the field, he, he, they have to make sure they don't tighten it too much. Yep. Go ahead, fellas. I'll let you guys answer. Thanks, John. And another point to this I want to bring up, like about 
if we're making the Curry comparison, and like, why would we make the Curry comparison other than whatever? You've got a, a person who is great who does a thing better than most, if not better than all. And for Allen, that is throw it deep. He's got an arm that mm-hmm. some guys don't. A good example of ruining a quarterback is what the Chargers did with Justin Herbert, and he's still good. Yep. They never throw down the field. They're going to get some speed. They're going to throw it on the field. Herbert's going to have a little bit of a, I think, a blossoming with doing that. And like to get to that point about the Warriors, Joe, what did the Warriors build? They didn't just build a regular team that said, hey, Steph, just huck threes because you're good at it. They built a team that also took some of the load off of him and made it more likely for him to get open shots because you couldn't just totally clamp down on him. They freed him up with the way that they built, with the way they move, with the way they spread the field. And to me, there's a difference, and this is this gets to John's point about the coordinator. Like, sure, you got one-on-one cover zero, take your shot. There are other ways to go deep. I mm-hmm. see lots of teams go deep, and it doesn't have to be cover zero. It doesn't have to be one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson can find space over the middle. Isaiah Hodgins finds spots downfield. I mean, yep. I'm not trying to take anything away. I think that when we do talk about this, it's it's the job of Ken Dorsey, and it's what makes it a tough job. You know you have an incredible talent. And if it ever looks like you're holding him back, you're in trouble. And if he gets into his bad habits, you're in trouble. Your whole job is to steer him perfectly down his best path. And design play con- concepts <laughs> where like guys are running open. Yeah. So that he even has the he has the option to make those decisions in the first place. Right. Which I want to think is happening. Yes. Like we see enough film, we hear it from enough people that the offense Dorsey has designed, like there are guys running open often enough. It's not on the level, I don't think, of what San Francisco or Miami and the Shanahan style schemes run, but I, I want to think that what Dorsey has done, like he's providing Allen with enough of those easy options. 8030550. To another call after the break, Joe Marino, Draft Network. We'll get his thoughts on this. On Watching the tape on seeing what Allen does well, how you walk that fine line of making sure you know he's playing free, you're just kind of steering him the direction you want as the coordinator. Eight oh three oh five fifty more of your calls on the other side here on WGR. All right, we are late. It happens. We'll get a call quickly, then we'll get off to Joe Marino for his thoughts on this, you know, developing Josh Allen conversation. Russ, we have two Russes on the line. Russ in Buffalo, you're up. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, I, I guess really quick, it, it could take time to lay this out, but I'll try to be quick. You know, there's not just a um, a decision to make, but there's also so the, the moment to consider. And I feel like there have been times, and um, this last game I feel like um, was a good example, when right before the John, the pass to John Brown that was intercepted, we had just run 10 yards, 15 yards, like we were hammering it down their throats. And I just felt like the last thing we needed was a bomb right there. It's 17 zip already. Keep running it, chip away at it, demoralize them a little bit, then score the touchdown, boom, and you've just put your foot on their throat. I felt like it was a moment just lost. Yeah. Thanks, Russ. And I think Sean McDermott said it was not a great decision on that. What we're getting to is, you know, letting Josh be Josh. This is a let Russ cook conversation a little bit, but that was mm-hmm. because he never threw the ball, Russell Wilson, right? They ran right, they too attempted much. 20 times a game. Yeah, they ran too much. It was yeah. like, hey, let the quarterback that's good throw it a lot more. And then, you know, of course, his last season, he wasn't very good. We'll get, we'll get Joe Marino's thoughts on this of the Draft Network and the Lockdown Bills podcast. You know, the interception numbers, the turnover numbers. You'll have Joe with some 
broken down statistics, like they haven't really mattered that much. And I tend to be on that side of it. And that John Brown pick, I get it. In the moment, it's it's not great. I don't think it's anything that can necessarily kill them. It did help Miami a little bit. So, right, situational. That is that is a part of this. To Joe Marino on the other side, with your calls as well. If you're on hold, we'll, we'll get to your calls, see what Joe has to say about this Bills offense against Miami and the matchup with the Bengals, the game that was supposed to be the game of the year. Well, here we go. Game of the year, attempt number two, uh, coming up Sunday here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.